Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. I'm Mark Stenson, and my co-host is Kirsten Gouldy. Today, we have a guest that is going to really combine his experiences in investing, self-improvement, technology, and also spirituality, society, and culture. Bringing the best thinking in all of those areas is Takatoshi Shibayama. Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Takatoshi has an 18-year career as an investment professional. He's worked on Wall Street and in businesses all over Asia. He started a company in the area of blockchain technology, and he has experienced the wins and losses at every step of the journey as an entrepreneur. Now, he's an athlete by nature, and he's built mental models to create successful mindsets, and he's applied those in his investing and business. So he has a jujitsu brown belt practices meditation. All of this assists him in creating enduring physical and mental strength. Takatoshi is the host of his own podcast called the Future Design Podcast. He also has a chance, like Kirsten and I, to have conversations with thought leaders and visionaries and spiritual people of all kinds. And today, Kirsten is going to be taking the lead in our interview and talking with Takatoshi about the kinds of societal changes that need to occur to create, or should we say design, a future worth living. Kirsten, happy to have Takatoshi with us, and thanks for leading the interview. Welcome to Takatoshi Shibayama. He's the CEO of Blockshine Singapore, and he's also a podcast host of Future Design Podcasts. Mark and I are super excited to have Takatoshi with us today as we talk about, about what he's passionate about, making changes, societal changes that need to occur. He speaks with many leaders, visionaries, and spiritual people. So welcome. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be on board. This is great. And I'm excited. I guess we could go anywhere. You're multidisciplined. You have a finance background. You're an athlete. You're a podcast host. You um, are a CEO of a blockchain consultancy. What What are you finding with leaders and this idea that we need to do something radically different? So I could take you back to where I, where I started in my career, that I, I worked for about 18 years in the investment banking industry. Uh, the latter half of that was in the hedge fund industry. Um, I ran, uh, co-founded a hedge fund, uh, which managed about a billion dollars investing in Japanese equities. Uh, we looked at it from a value investing standpoint. I come from a background of investing in distressed companies, which means that I look at companies that are going under bankruptcy or some kind of restructuring uh, situation and we'll analyze the situation of company. It could be managerial problems, it could be business performance, it could be capital structure problems. And I look at how we can restructure those companies or how they restructure the companies and we'll take a investment uh, position in that company, believing that either they'll go bankrupt or they'll go, they'll restructure. So I visit the companies a lot and talk to the company's management. I'll talk to the employees. I'll look around the company and and things. So I do a lot of due diligence around uh, the company in general and also financial analysis around the company as well, obviously. And what I've noticed that in the finance industry and especially in this distressed industry is that I found that a lot of the companies 
especially in Japan, you know, it went through a different phase. The, the concept of um, shareholder maximization swept in quite hard in the last 10 years. And it felt like the you know, Japanese companies are more social in that mindset. They were thinking about how do I increase the, the not about just the profitability about the company, but also about how do I try to make my employees take a stake in this, you know, not in a way like you know, investing in a company, but you know, they, they thought about the company as a whole. There's a CEO, there's employees, there's other stakeholders, vendors, shareholders, and how could I make the whole ecosystem of that positive for the company? But now these ideas about maximizing profitability for shareholders swept in, they had to radically change their mindset. And I found that a lot of the companies were struggling to really grasp that concept. So then they have to shed more people. They have to reduce costs for many different cost lines that they have, whether it be vendors, that payments to vendors, the, the payroll to the, to the employees, all these things. And it made a whole experience of people working in those companies pretty difficult. And through the interviews I had with them, and even walking through the companies, looking in, into their bathrooms as well. This is something that I really joke about with a lot of people is that, you know, when you walk into the bathroom of companies, you find that if people really respect the company, they would keep it clean. They'll try to make everything neat and, and clean. But then if you walk in and you see, you know, kind of papers around or it's just water all over the place, I mean, they just start to disrespect the company. And that's when I kind of noticed that maybe this isn't the right way of running companies you know maybe there's a better way to look at companies that are not solely about the shareholders that's when i started thinking maybe there is some way maybe there's a better ethical way of running businesses rather than just thinking about the bottom line thinking about the shareholders who just come in and out right all they're doing is investing in the company mm -hmm. for a short periods of time and coming out it's not like they're long-term investors who have been in it from the beginning and you know people working for that person or or that entity it's just lots of traders coming in and out and thinking okay is this company going to do EBITDA of x or like are they going to do PE times x something and they're trying to get to that level and trying to like squeeze out whatever profitability that they can make out of it that's when I thought, you know, isn't there a way, there's a more ethical way of like doing finance or ethical way of running a business instead. And during that time, I also encountered Bitcoin, which was pretty interesting because I didn't really know anything about it. When I read about it, I just kind of dismissed it because I thought, yeah, there's tons of e-money cards out there. You know, what's the difference between this and that? I re didn't really understand it. But as I kind of looked into the technology behind it, the concept behind it, it was about how do you take more power over your finance or take power over your control over your money. And that's kind of, I started thinking about, okay, so let's say like in countries like Argentina or Venezuela or you know, Turkey or a lot of these, or Zimbabwe, there's many countries out there that have mismanaged monetary policies. And, but so a lot of these people in these countries, they save in US dollars. And what happens is that when they exchange their currencies into US dollars, they, obviously they had to put it into banks. And when the country starts losing its cash reserves in US dollars, they just take it away from these depositors. So they experience bank runs. Uh, they can't get access to the US dollars that they saved. Or in, in that sense, they needed something different. 
And obviously gold is another option, but it's very heavy. You can't carry that around. And, and an interesting thing about gold is that once you take it out of the deposit, it decreases in value because you lose the certificate of quality. So you don't want something that de depreciates in value like that either. So I guess, you know, in, in this modern world, you need to have something that's digital and which is finite and has the same characteristics of gold, but even better than that. So I thought, wow, this is a great tool for a lot of people who have these mm -hmm. problems around uh, saving money, storing wealth and being able to transfer that and not be in the hands of the government or the banks. And, and that's kind of when I, that idea also meshed with the idea of how do you run a better business? How do you run better finance? Is you know trying to take that power back into the people. You know, democratize money, democratize businesses in a way that it's more about people who are really in it, not just the p people who are just in it for a transactional sake. Now, what are you finding with these shareholders as you're having this conversation? Are you witnessing shareholders resisting or some really aligned with it? What's happening? Well, I don't think there's a whole lot of things really changing in that aspect. I think the construct of how businesses are run, businesses are financed is still within that capitalistic idea. And I don't dismiss capitalism at all. I'm not really a socialist. I think that capitalism can be refined to be much better. And it could be a lot more caring about other things, not just about the shareholders. And, and, and there's a way to maximize profit, of course, but not in expense of people who are working there or the environment or many other things that can be taken under consideration. And I think that there are a lot of think tanks out there. I could just name a few. Let's say one is like the Schumacher Center of New Economy. There's a lot of uh, ideas that are being thrown out. Also, I can think of uh, Capital Institute, which is uh, run by John Fullerton, is another one that uh, they think about how, how investments can be more about not just about the shareholders, but the, all the stakeholders that are involved. Um, there's a lot of concepts that are reviving as well, like cooperatives. I mean, n naturally, you just think about these are agricultural businesses are, you know, doing with the cooperatives, but you can throw in some digital technologies in there to create a more decentralized cooperatives that can be run as a for-profit business. So I think lots of new ideas are coming out there, but obviously, you know, in society in general, or still, you know, with the traditional mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These leaders that you're speaking to, you have these spiritual leaders, you have business leaders, you have the visionaries, what are they speaking to? What ideas are they bringing to the forefront? Because it sounds like you have your own personal think tank occurring, you know? Yeah, right. So I think there's a lot of people who are working in different areas, let's say my world of technology, one person I was talking to about IoT, and I was asking him about, well, technology in general. I mean, technology, especially with these powerful technologies that we have right now, AI, or IoT, or or blockchain. These are extremely powerful tools that can, you know, change the world, right? Which we talk about, like let's say IoT can actually benefit society because we let's say during the pandemics that we have right now we can detect a possible scenario before even a pandemic happens where how can uh, viruses spread around the cities and in the countries or ai can analyze data of that so that we can understand how people are moving so we can direct people 
how they should move around during these pandemics. These are powerful tools, but at the same time, it could go in a different direction as well, right? It can turn into a surveillance state. It can turn into a, a system where people just com completely lose jobs and they're thrown out in the streets. I mean, technology, it has no color. The people actually give it color, right? And if we don't as leaders, or it doesn't have to be leaders, anybody who's working for any type of business, they should understand that with these powerful tools that we have, it can go into so many different directions, but you need to have the right mindset to think about it. And and I was alluding to in the beginning, when I was talking to this leader in the IoT space, he was thinking that maybe we should give data back to the people so that they can understand what to do with that data, rather than the corporates or the governments deciding or taking control of that data and, and using it for their own benefit. So it has to be a more two-way street. It has to be more democratized in that sense. So I okay. think there are a lot of leaders thinking about these things, but society in in general has to realize that there are these tools and there's ways of these ideas that are coming about and I don't think that's been talked about too much it's more about just the technology and how it's cool and all these things but I never talk about what's the concept what's the idea how can human societies benefit out of these tools that were given. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fascinating that you say that because just even your dialogue on the Bitcoin, when mm -hmm. you're talking about these countries that need a way to democratize and create individuality, right, and sustainability for themselves. So to your point, so they don't lose everything that they have. What would you say to the young leaders that are coming up? They really do have the aptitude and the mind and they also are thinking a lot differently. What would you say to the young leaders? I think that understanding what the technology can possibly do, you know, let's say you are starting out a business or you're already, you know, building a business at the moment and you have this mission in the beginning that you want to change the world, you want to change systems of the world. But as companies grow and become bigger and then it starts to become about, OK, I have to maximize revenue. Uh, I have to maximize profitability for my shareholders, VCs or whoever they are. And you start to lose sight of why you're doing this business and it becomes, OK, it's a money generating tool for investors. And then you start kind of losing control over the core mission of what you're trying to do, right? And and it's really important. And maybe I'm being very idealistic about this, mm -hmm. but I think it needs to be kind of ingrained in everybody so that even as they grow their business, they don't lose sight of what they're doing, right? And as we know already about, let's say, let's take like social media for, for an instance. Initially, it was like, you know, it, it was a tool for musicians to democratize their platform so that it can get more music out to, to people. Or it was something for college students to network. And it turned out to be a gigantic platform for a lot of people to, yeah, you know, reach across different borders and be connected. But at the same time, it was used for propaganda and fake news and all these things. So you have to think about where is this technology can possibly head so that you can change course all the time. I mean, you have to think about what are the consequences of building out these businesses and what can what kind of impact it can have for society in general. And I think you can't lose sight of that. You have to think about that while you're still trying to think about, okay, how, how do I deal with my shareholders and maximize profitability as well? And you sometimes you need to push back and say, no, I don't want to take this business to this direction, or I'm not thinking about just growing my top line revenue so that I could please you. You know, I, I, I have a mission 
for this business. I want to take it to this direction, you know, and, and not lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. And when you're in these boardrooms and you're speaking with these leaders, how often do you hear somebody push back? Do you see that often? Are there a lot of people doing that or standing to that, you know, initial truth that they started with? Mm, yeah, in the beginning, uh, definitely so. And as they grow, I'm not a VC, right? I'm not mm -hmm. an I'm not an uh, venture capitalist, so I don't I don't go into these board meetings with startup businesses. But when I was in the distressed investing space or the value invest investing space. Um, I did talk to a lot of these uh, CEOs and board members and talk through their restructuring ideas. And yeah, I mean, they, they do have a in sort of a mission that they want to take this company in a certain direction. But at the same time, you know, they do have to deal with all these other issues that are piling up on them. And it's very hard for them to prioritize because do I save company? Or do I save, you know, my mission, you know, so mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's always a push and pull. And that's why I think it's really hard for a lot of the board members or CEOs of these companies that are they're so heavily weighted on what's the what's the priority for my business? Do I need to keep the company uh, so that it's it continues employing people and keep all this ecosystem of, of people who are in the value chain? Um, and, and that they can continue going on. There's a lot of sometimes villages that, that have uh, factories. I mean, if we're asking them to shut down the factories, it means that it kills off all the economy in that particular village, right? So they have to think about all these things at the same time. So I know it's a very difficult task to do, but you, you, you still have to kind of keep that mindset that yes, you know, I do provide employment for all these people in the in the valley chain around us and what is the best way what how can i compensate them so that they can continue doing another type of business not rather than just like cutting them off and say okay this is this is great for my you know bottom line you know i love what you're talking about and i also love that you spoke to the fact that you're not saying that we don't embrace capitalism because the concept of capitalism in and of itself is brilliant. It's what people do with it that really it loses what its intent was for, right? Was the opportunity to build wealth and to gain like anybody, everybody has a chance to win with that. But what I'm finding in the conversations Mark and I have been having, and I'm really passionate about this is really cultivating inner the inner self, the inner people, and building leaders who actually really have value-based leadership. And I'm not talking morality. I'm not talking about religious preferences or, you know, what you want to do in your political parties. I'm talking about who how do you treat people? How do you behave? How do you act? And, you know, we had a guest who talked about thinking globally, like not just thinking about yourself and then the company, but thinking beyond what is the impact that you're having in the environment and sustainability? Is our earth going to be around in a hundred years? from now? Or do we have manufacturing companies that are dumping their waste into our land? So I love this idea of this balance you're talking about. Everybody can still win. You can still be profitable. You can still make money. Do you find that that still permeates through the companies there where there are values? Because I love that bathroom analogy that you talked about, right? That's so true. People take pride in going to work and they're happy to go to work when you know you're valued you value in return. Do you see hope that these ideals really possible and that it, it, this conscious leadership that we're speaking to has a way to really start breathing and moving through the companies? 
Yeah, I, I do. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this. You know, more people like you and I are vocal about these things. And there are many people who are thinking about better systems for capitalism. I think that's the way forward. And I really like the way you were talking about how, you know, when you give respect to the people, they give you respect back. And that's that's really part of that the Japanese auto system and they're talking about Kaizen is that, you know, you listen to your factory workers and they know exactly what the system is, if it's working or not, right? And they value so much of their factory workers that that is the part of the core essence of what Toyota is or any of these uh, automakers because they're not thinking about okay you know this is this is the way it should be done and just they they make them in, enforce a certain system on them they're actually listening to their employees about what is a better system because you know best because you're on the ground and you're doing the work for us right so i think that ne there needs to be a a lot more involvement with employee and employer and be able to create a better business uh, for each other and i think that profitability will come if everybody's happy working for that company, right? And you're not enforcing things or you're not, everything's like top down all the time. You know, there are already systems there in place, as I just mentioned about the auto industry. I think there's many ways that other industries can do that as well. The more we do do these things, then everybody, if everybody becomes more involved and they feel like they're having a stake in that business, then the more profitability will come. So I think that, you know, the idea is already there. They just have to push it out into the wider society and say there are systems that work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, too, because it has been said that Bitcoin and, you know, currencies like Bitcoin are going to be the greatest wealth transference of all time. And with that, I think comes a change in mindset, because the youth really is passionate about purpose driven activities in all every area of their life, not just business, they're very motivated to make money, just not the way their parents did it, not at the expense of their health, their life, their family, all of it. Do you see Bitcoin as being the great change in wealth transference and also going into hands of purpose driven leaders? Yeah, I, I believe that we are in this economic cycle where compared to our parents generation, or you know, even before that, we have reached a certain amount of wealth, right? And we have this material abundance. Everything is pretty much there for us that we don't really need to grow that much for the infrastructure of our society to to continue going on, right? And I think now we're hit that kind of maturity in society where now it's about how do we how do we keep our society stable and try to keep our planet everything stable so that we can continue living on like this. And that's why I think the generational mindset has occurred because in our parents' generation, or even maybe I was a little bit part of that as well, is that we saw this economic growth and it didn't matter because we could make more money and that could have been our motivation to, to work. But now when we hit that and we see very little growth in our economy, but we have all this material wealth, we have all this science and technologies amongst us that make our societies potentially better, then you need to change the, the motivation of how people think. Now it's about purpose driven, you know, you think about the planet as a whole, and that becomes a much better mindset than our parents generation, right? And I, I love the fact that people are thinking that, about that in that way. Now that 
people start to think, okay, so we're in this like very zero interest rate environment and we can't depend on bank savings. We can't mm -hmm. depend on buying government bonds to get some kind of return. And everything has to be more capital appreciation driven rather than dividend or or yield driven, mm -hmm. right? So then what, what do we put our monies into? That's why we are seeing this massive investment into equities and, and gold and, and you know Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So I think the the investment landscape has completely changed uh, since I started investing. And none of the valuation metrics that I've used before make sense anymore. And and I think the the real use case for cryptocurrencies in general is not really just about speculation, but it's also about being able to create your own currency so that let's say you have this, you know, local community, it could be local communities or it could be a very decentralized organization, but you can create your own. It doesn't have to be monetary currency. It could be some kind of reputation based currency as well that I give, you know, I teach you something and then you teach me something back, you know, it's mm -hmm. sort of this kind of maybe mm -hmm. more barter kind of idea, but that is a, a certain currency. And there are blockchain companies working on that as well. Like, how do you how do you create reputational currency uh, so that, you know, we don't have to focus so much on monetary um, currencies. So I think there there's going to be maybe it'll take a bit more time to get this idea across the whole you know um, societies in general. But I think there are promising and interesting concepts that are coming out of this whole um, cryptocurrency world. Yeah, you know that is so fascinating. It almost feels like a whole other podcast talking about mm -hmm. that. It sounds almost that sounds very spiritual based, and I, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about spiritual as in what do you believe, but I'm talking about how do you behave. Starting to value other things, we've lost so much touch with just interpersonal human earth. So that actually just brought me a lot of excitement because I would love to hear more about that. I, I do believe that would be a very exciting conversation. Well, this has been real. I feel like I could talk to you for hours because there's mm -hmm. so much to pick your brain about. Um, but what would you like our audience to know as we begin to wrap up? Yeah, I think that for me is always about questioning the norm, right? And challenge the norm is something that I always tell people is that there's so much social construct in our in our society that we just take it as I wouldn't say for granted it was just there and we don't really question why we're doing certain things I mean if you even talk about like sustainability we talk about plastics I mean you think about like why do we need plastics to begin with what is the value chain that makes the whole plastic industry uh, viable and do we really need all these different uh, value chains in there when let's say we start removing plastics out of the in industry then what do we do with all these people who are working in an industry i mean how do they find a new job like we have to question much deeper into what is happening in our world for not just on a superficial level but much deeper keep questioning a lot of things and keep questioning why we're doing certain things why is this world not working and not not just say oh just because of uh, social media and creating this political divide no there's a lot more things that are in this uh, and everybody's like taking a stake in this. So question everything about it. And that's when you start to see some answers. That is beautiful right there. So question everything and yeah. go deeper. Don't just, don't stay surface level. And tell us about your podcast. Tell us where we can find you. So you can find my future design podcast on pretty much any podcast platform there's out there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, mm -hmm. Stitcher, Spotify. 
Um, you can also reach out to me on Twitter. It's Taka underscore Shibayama. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well, so you can find me there. That's wonderful. And we'll make sure to post all of this when we release our podcast. I can tell you, I have a lot of clients who are going to want to find you, mainly because of the cryptocurrency and the way that you are embracing a new future. It's refreshing to have this conversation with you. So thank you again. And this has been Takatoshi at Shibuyama. And I do hope we get to speak to you again. Anytime. <laughs> it was a very lovely time speaking with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintellikey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.